this is Lisa Pierce, executive editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. On April 4th this year, I attended the official opening of PepsiCo's new Greenhouse Learning Center at its Frito-Lay campus in Plano, Texas. I toured the greenhouse and heard about the company's new focus on home compostability for packaging for its food divisions, Frito-Lay and Quaker. I learned a few new things about composting and shared those discoveries in an earlier article. But after the tour, I had the opportunity to sit down with two PepsiCo executives and dig a little bit deeper into the company's commitment to sustainability and specifically to compostable packaging. Pull up a seat and listen to what Denise Lefebvre, PepsiCo's Senior Vice President of R&D, and David Allen, Chief Sustainability Officer for PepsiCo Foods North America, have to say about the technology, the consumer's appetite for sustainability, the challenges, and the future of compostable packaging in the United States. Very curious on how things went with the Coachella, what I called experiment uh, last year. I know we're almost a full year Mm -hmm. from then. Um, So what did you guys learn from that? It was a a really great experience. Uh, And consumers are hungry for sustainable packaging and, and sustainable options. I think we learned a lot about what's important in a closed ecosystem like that in terms of education, clear communication, you know, where do the, the bags need to go, mm-hmm. right, after, after you consume our wonderful product. Uh, and so, you know, that has helped us inform what we might want to, what we might want to go do next. Okay. Uh, in terms of, you know, how do we set up our next pilot? How would we ne- next set up our collection system, um, you know, with our compostable package? Okay. So those were um, process learnings, what mm-hmm. I would call process learnings. Was yep. there anything from a technology point of view of, of the packaging material that maybe you learned? I can I can that? speak just a little bit to that, as I and I alluded to it out at the greenhouse. Every time we produce and start to run on different types of assets, because different types of assets make different films, you learn about consistency, mm-hmm. quality, yield improvement, barrier performance. So out of the Coachella, and I, we do them in different batches, to be honest with you, all the time. If I think about we're making film all the time and learning in different ways, mm-hmm. we actually were able to see much, you know, really improvements in barrier because we're able to get good tweaks on the machines and the equipment and be able to really run a little bit longer to give us understanding of product performance and product protection, because each one of our products is created differently in terms of its requirements, right, in terms of what a consumer likes. And so us being able to tailor it absolutely perfectly each time is important. And so from Coachella, we're able to learn how to dial in the equipment even better on those aspects. I love that you learned on the equipment side, Mm -hmm. because as you guys know, with the volume of products that you guys produce, it's got 
to work in the factory. So we talked about this already, but I am going to uh, put it out there again. The whole idea of barrier is critical for food packaging in general, um, very much so for products that are as sensitive to moisture as the baked products and the um, the other products that you put out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, oxygen is important as well. Metalized film, multi-layer metalized film, has kind of been the go-to for barrier protection and still is. But I know that we talked about the metallization layer being so thin that it really doesn't matter from a compostability point of view anymore. Is that like, is that ASTM certified? Yeah, it's certified by the bio BPI. As Sri was talking about some of the elements, right? It's it's how long it takes to grade. It happens to at what time and what temperature. It is what the soil looks like before and after elements of that testing protocol. Mm-hmm. So that helps us to, re- well, we've done our own testing for sure. Mm-hmm. It really helps that these third-party institutes that are standardized are able to look at it and vet it and give us a response as well, and they have. And obviously, we've been successful today getting certification through them. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was here in September, uh, Yolanda said that the idea is once you do all this testing here, you still are going to then mm-hmm. do the full third-party certification mm-hmm. of yes. whatever materials you select anyway. So um, I know that we talked about compostability. Mm-hmm. We talked about recycling a little bit. I'm going to go into that a little bit more. I don't know that there's any option for end-of-life for reusable packaging for your snack foods, but I'm just wondering what other end-of-life scenarios might you be considering? Have I missed anything? Compostability, recyclability? There's different levels, right? So, and feel free here to chime in, but there's different levels. There's mechanical recycling, there's pyrolysis, there's chemical recycling, there's industrial composting, there's home composting, there's what if it goes to a landfill? Because we know all over the world, those different scenarios might happen to our packaging. So we need to make sure that we are fit for purpose in those scenarios is how I would say, right, and function in each one of them that is positive, not a negative in terms of what happens. And then we want to test and learn continually in those to see which ones we can galvanize, you know, how we would scale. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I I think you covered the kind of the whole diaspora of of end-of-life opportunities. Okay, Mm -hmm. excellent. We talked a little bit about this earlier, too, about the whole ecosystem from... Uh, large-scale compostable packaging volume acceptability here in the United States. We're not close to that at all yet. And so I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit, and you talked a little bit about how you're partner, partnering, but if you wouldn't mind going into a little bit more detail about specifics, what are you doing to work with the compostable facilities, the industrial compostable facilities, especially since two things that I've been hearing that they really dislike accepting compostable packaging because it takes longer to degrade than the organic material and it doesn't add any nutrients to the soil. And sometimes that's not a bad thing because some compost facilities want to add bulk Mm -hmm. (laughs) to their compost and compostable packaging would do that. I guess, uh, how are you working with the compostable facilities? 
as you mentioned, it's an entire ecosystem. So we're not just working with compostable facilities, but we're trying to work that, you know, from material science that we've been talking about today, all, all the way through collection, sortation, and end of life. So compostable f- facilities are, are a key partner in that. A lot of it starts with the different iterations of the, of the packages that we have, mm-hmm. what our testing tells them, and then what their testing reveals. We're also trying to be really specific about identifying specific locations and municipalities and target partners that enable us to be, you know, to have a concentrated effort so we can learn faster. I I would, three and others you met today and even myself, uh, we meet and we have regular discussions and partnerships with Composting Consortium, which represents the Composters United Mm -hmm. States, right? To get real-time feedback about what we're thinking, how are they thinking about it, what should we test, how should we. So we feel pretty integrated in that. And we've actually even had pretty big roundtables, like where they come in and tell us how they're feeling, what's going on, what's going on in the industry, what drives value for them. Because we know it's really important that whatever we do needs to be valuable throughout the chain, including their piece of it, not mm-hmm. not in a way that's degrading them. A lot of their resistance historically has been because you have utensils, you have a lot of the food service equipment going through, which degrades at a different rate than a thin film. So you have like, because this is such a new area, if you think about in the industry, we all have so much to learn Mm -hmm. together. And so how they would adjust a formulation or recipe for different things and those discussions. So we found them to be a good partner in educating us, us working with them. And so we can get a, a learning, but not a way to say, no, we're not interested, but certainly a partnership to learn further together. Okay. That's an excellent mm-hmm. point, though, about the thinness mm-hmm. of the materials mm-hmm. that really could make a, a big difference, mm-hmm. a big difference. I know that also the packaging in the past, the compostable packaging or uh, compostable materials that aren't organic haven't really added nutrients to the soil I asked this question at a conference, um, well, I don't even know how long ago it was, it may have even been, been pre-COVID. The answer that we got then, I just want to confirm that it is still the answer now, because I've learned a lot of new things about compostability today, that a plant-based package that's compostable, does it or does it not add nutrients to the compost once it's degraded? Do you guys know that? I think it depends, okay. right? So it's number one, when you set a compost. So for, let me go a little bit technical here for a second. Like sure. when you set a compost pile, feel free to jump in here. You have to look at your rate and use. So when we, one of the things we have to test and learn is, okay, bags, paper materials, when it goes through a sortation, it goes to a composter at what level and what amount is really in the compost bin because that's variable. And then based on the final formulation, will it be a nutrient provider or not? And I think we're still learning all that, right? Because I think people say, okay, well, I don't want to, you know, it's to the point you said about composters, it's a rate and use type of thing. So when they get a compost, I I don't know, but my guess is what they might get from an offtake from a sorter or from a MRF might be a low amount of flexible film. Pad. I have no mm-hmm. idea. That's what we have to right. learn. Right. Still, right. And then that will determine kind of what's going on and us trying to understand the ranges of that. Dennis, uh, when you say be. rate and use, is that the uh, percentage? Percentage of packaging. Yeah, percentage per of packaging. Else. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, That's a pretty big variable, I think, sure, in the scheme of this. Sure, it makes total sense. Yeah. Total sense. Um, okay. Um, one of the other reasons why I bring that up is because I know that there was a, uh, a major compost composter, I, I thought it was in Oregon, and I meant to check this before I got here, who just yesterday or the day before said, we're not taking compostable packaging anymore. Um, so that, um, again, it, it's, as you know, you're talking to these composters all the time. It's yeah. a, a pretty major hurdle. Um, I think that you guys still have to get over. Yeah, that's why we're partnering to learn so we could do test and learn mm -hmm. because you could talk to a composter and the way they're defining that is the plate that they may mm -hmm. get. Okay. It's about the definition of what is packaging and what are we testing and what are they using and what are they getting uncomfortable with. And so us being able to partner with them to test, learn, and even educate all of us. I think is super important. What we have seen is a good reception from a lot of composters to test with us and right. learn. Excellent. And, and then I just to add to that, you know, that's why us spending time and building relationships and testing and collection and sort and sortation is so important as well. Because if we're able All to pieces. separate our films and have a, you know, pure stream, if you will, for our films, then the plates and the forks and those things we may get a different level of receptivity and a different level of impact at, okay. the, at the composter. One of the things that you learned from the Coachella experiment uh -huh. was the consumer side of things, which yes. is so exciting. Yes. But you have to communicate to them on end of life what to do, mm -hmm. uh, wh what you're doing, number one, why you're doing it, and then what they need to do. Right. So how are you guys doing that? What's your plan? Very similar to what we talked about today, it's test and learn. We have to try a lot of different messages in order to connect to the consumers and meet them where they are and help them cut through all the clutter of the buzzwords and you know everything that, that they hear uh, day in and day out. So as an example with our bags here, you know, we tried to be very specific in calling out that this is a compostable bag. We're asking them to help us. And then either up front or on the back, here's how you can be part of the change and, and be part of the team and then, you know, get them to take action. We will eventually test, you know, feedback loops to the consumers, reward and recognition, you know, programs. We've tested opportunities where as they participate for each of the bags that we get back, we make an in-kind donation. So, you know, all different ways to try and connect to and appeal to the consumers to, to act differently and act on what they're telling us is important to them, which is provide sustainable options. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed a difference in generations with the excitement from the consumer and or the different messages that you should use? Is the generational thing something that is a component of your test and learn? It is, and it will continue to, to be more so, but broadly, we're seeing all of our consumers respond in a way that says, we want to be more sustainable, we're not sure how, we want you to help us, and we're looking for those solutions. Thank you. So we talked about these different steps in the whole chain. Collection is part of it. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the likelihood that your compostable packaging will be collected for composting? And I guess I should have said at this point, conveniently, which usually means curbside, 
collection for the consumer. I don't want to limit it to just curbside collection because, you know, thinking out of the box, there could be other ways of collecting, like mm-hmm. your different, would you call those pilot projects, Coachella and the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Pilots. And- pilots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mu- municipalities, you know, one-offs and things like that. It's coming. I mean, curbside collection or people? Uh, let's do the curbside collection for compostable packaging. Yes. Do you, what do you think is the likelihood of that? Uh, again, I think it depends on the solution and the infrastructure that's available in a certain municipality in a certain location. And we'll likely have a portfolio of ways to collect and separate our product in municipalities that have existing collection mechanisms or, you know, compostable facilities, we're more likely to to collect that, um, you know, at curbside in other areas where there's not access to that type of infrastructure. We may have to think about a different collection mechanism. It could be a mail back. It could be a store take back. These are all things that, that we have to test and, and learn with and make sure that we've got multiple solutions that we can deploy that meets the consumers where, you know, their needs and where they are. Okay. I think that's how we see it. I do think um, this is a a time horizon opportunity, right? Because to have the first, but certainly different municipalities are moving at different rates. Mm -hmm. And so our partnership, which we're looking at in different ways, um, which ways to test and learn within what they think is best for their local Consumer, mm-hmm. right? We're here to help and be supportive about that and give them data and learnings. Again, it's about a community and approach. Um, so we're going to, as David said, try and do different ways. But I would think you can forecast this is more and more important to consumers. It's more and more important to municipalities. More and more infrastructure will be created over time. At what rate and pace? It's hard to predict mm-hmm. different states or different, even states, but then within a state, you have it very different. Yep. So we will be, you know, looking to kind of drive those partnerships because it's important to us in terms of meeting consumers' needs. And we know it's part of, we could be part of that solution, but it is a time horizon mm-hmm. issue on investment and, and scale by each of those local governments. Okay. You know, I um, look at the last two questions that I had, and you've really already answered them, um, what you're doing to grow the infrastructure, all these partnerships. um, And um, quite frankly, just being able to say that PepsiCo is committed to this Mm -hmm. is enough, I think, to wake up a lot of other people who maybe haven't have seen more of the challenges of compostable packaging rather than the benefits or the uh, potential, you know, even future advantages. Um, So all that's good. And then you already got, you already mentioned that you are sharing what you're learning here Mm -hmm. with the industry, with the world. And I can't thank you enough for doing that because in in the past, um, that would, that wouldn't happen. Not even, you know, not a prayer of that happening. But I do want to ask one question that I thought of as we were talking, going through the greenhouse, and that is the whole idea of meeting your 2025 goal. And I mentioned very briefly to Yolanda that I know that the 2025 goal is real. I mean, there's a, a lot of people who are working toward a 2025 goal. Mm-hmm. But 2025, I mean, that's right around the corner. What if, what if you're not at 100%? What difference does it make if you're at 
or 100% by 2025, you're still getting there, right? We're excited about the progress and our heads are down as well, right? We are focused on delivering against that publicly stated goal to design 100% of our packaging to be recyclable, compostable, or biodegradable by 2025. That's where all of our energy and effort is going. And as we get to the end of 2025, we'll assess where we are and see and you know, see what's next. We're doubling down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how we got to the moon. <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're in. 